Welcome to this week's CoinGeek Conversation. I'm Charles Miller, and this week I'm at the Blockchain Expo in London. It's two days of networking with a range of businesses, from big players like Dell Computers and Microsoft to the smallest startups. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations, an earful of Bitcoin and blockchain. In this podcast, I'll be talking to three people, later getting an overview of recent developments from a top blockchain journalist and hearing from a Swiss startup that's putting prostitution on the blockchain. Yes, seriously. But first, I visited Enchain, the blockchain technology developer which, like CoinGeek, supports Bitcoin SV. I spoke to Enchain's business development manager for professional services, Osmin Callis. We are at the Blockchain Expo Europe 2019. Uh, Chain Professional Services is exhibiting here. We have a stand. And so what sort of inquiries have you been getting? It's been an interesting one, actually. Um, a lot of people are here to learn uh, more about blockchain, who are very open to ideas, open to the possibilities still. Um, there are some people who are a little bit more news-focused and are wanting to sort of validate some of the things that they've been uh, hearing in the news lately, uh, some companies who are actually shopping for blockchain-based solutions, and a few uh, consultancies who are here to potentially explore partnerships. So it's a real mix of people. And so do you think this is going to lead to useful business? That's the idea. So the way in which we are, we've got three different sort of, I guess, uh, objectives. So one is uh, generating high quality leads. The other is gathering a little bit of intelligence about uh, the other blockchain uh, providers here, uh, who the customers are, who's here to buy, uh, a little bit about the market itself, what challenges the various industries that are represented here are facing and where the focus is currently. As you've sort of wandered around the, the expo, what sort a of impression bit. have you got of where we are in the industry and what the general atmosphere is? I've been to quite a few of these things and I'd say that the tone is very even, um, it's very tempered. Uh, the number of attendees is actually more than I was expecting because of the fact that you know there's discussion about where we are in the so-called hype cycle if we can be considered to be sort of at the lower end. I did wonder if that might sort of translate into the attendance, but it's not too bad. And a lot of really big established um, companies and consultancies here as well. That's right. Ah. So we've been talking to PwC. We'd already had discussions with uh, the blockchain strategic lead at Dell. We saw her again. We'll be meeting up to say hi in a little while, so among others. Overall optimistic? Very optimistic, actually. It's really, really good to be here. I'm glad that we came. I think that we've got some amazing possibilities open. Terrific. Thank you very much. You're welcome. 16,000 people registered for this event, but it's actually four different events happening at the same place and time. Alongside blockchain, there are events for IoT, the Internet of Things, cybersecurity and cloud businesses, and a fourth subject, AI and big data. And there's a lot of crossover between them, as I heard from the co-founder and editor of Blockchain News, Richard Castellane. We're getting a lot of people coming up here at our booth and talking about AI and want to know, like, blockchain, how to fit. And convergence of AI, IoT, you know, big data and, and blockchain is, is naturally happening anyway. So 
in, in, in a way, I find this show more valuable than just say a straight blockchain show or a straight crypto show where everybody's, you know, it's just talking investment, investment, or they're talking architecture or protocol or, you know, foundation stuff. This is, this is a really healthy mix. Richard has been a regular at the show for several years. He says that one difference between this year and last is around ICOs, startups founded by initial coin offerings. There was a significant ICO part of the show, and that's not there this year. But IEOs and SDOs and stable coins and non-fungible tokens and all the new stuff that's happening, in particular IEOs, because I think that's just going to blow the doors off this. Tell me what that is. Well, an IEO is an initial exchange offering. So rather than an ICO, which is where you issue the utility token in kind of this unregulated, you know, zone of like, uh, well, with no accountability, you're doing it with an exchange. If you issue on an exchange, everybody that invests has to go through a KYC AML process anyway. So you're clearing out that regulatory legal side, which is done already. So the IEO thing is fresh and it's hot and a lot of... Um, Exchanges are actually moving towards this. Uh, is there a danger that the exchange will list anything that provides the right payment to it rather than making an independent judgment? Well, you know, I've had these discussions with a couple of exchanges, actually. And, you know, their model is, in the past, when, they, when, when exchanges were scarce, you'd pay, like, I don't know, like 100 Bitcoin sometimes, or like 100,000 or more, just to get your token listed. They're not able to get those prices anymore. So some of the exchanges are saying, okay, well, let's make the money off these guys and charge them a huge upfront fee. And um, you know, that, that, that's dangerous in a way because then they're, they're not really wearing to share risk that much, even though they take some off the back end. So the, the due diligence process is not important. The important is that they get the money. So when I, when I talk to the exchange, I'm not going to name them, I said, well, all you're proving really by charging 80,000 euro to to list your token for a sale on your platform is you're proving that you'll take the money for it, uh, but you're not proving that you'll share risk. Therefore, you know, the interest isn't, it's not as strong an argument, I think. Yeah, I guess I said, anyone can sell their reputation. Exactly. But, it, you know, holy, look, if you're going to say, okay, we're, we want 10% of your raise off the back end, no problem up front. But, you know, in order for us to recoup our money and maintain our reputation, we have to make sure that you're a quality project. So we're going to do a deep dive on you because we want our money. And maybe secondarily, we want to protect our reputation. So, I think. has anything caught your eye in the show here? Well, one project I, that did catch my eye is Crypto Hopper. If you got a chance to, to see them around the corner, um, they're an Amsterdam-based group and it's a really interesting story. So it was two brothers. One of them is quite a well-known actor in Holland, and his brother is a technologist. And, you know, the actor was, like, spending time in his changing room, you know, trading crypto all the time, just got addicted, you know, and was spending a lot of time not learning his lines and all kinds of things. And he, his brother said to him, oh, I could build a bot that can out-trade you anyway, and I don't even have to do anything. So he did, and it out-traded his brother. So they decided to start, they liked the idea. And unlike most people who are like quant, quantitative analysts slash coders, which there's not many of those types of people around, they usually hold on to that, that, that uh, technology or those bots and use them themselves. They decided to open it up and create a community around crypto trading bots. So now there's all kinds of people offering their bots or their strategies 
on crypto trading, and they have 100,000 people signed up in, uh, I think, about 18 months, which is great. So, and, and you know, I, I personally haven't worked the back end yet, but I think, it, you know, one of the, their slogan is like, give people their time back, you know, because people that are spending a lot of time in trading crypto, uh, unless you're doing it professionally, it just, it's time consuming. And if bots can manage that for you, and it's all integrated with, you know, they've got great relationships with major exchanges as well. So the APIs are integrated with their system. But isn't the whole idea that to move this industry forward, mm -hmm. we need to get beyond trading and into using? Well, I could give you lots of cases of use right now. I mean, well, certainly for the technology. Let's talk about the technology first. Walmart has forced all their uh, spinach and lettuce clients onto the blockchain in February this year, and the rest of their, their supply chain clients all have to be on by the end of the year. Now, that's it's just not Walmart, that's also Carrefour, that's Unilever, that's Nestle, they're all going on it with IBM. That's, that is, that's proof that this blockchain stuff works, whether you can argue whether it's a blockchain or not, public, private, doesn't matter. The fact is that it, 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 it is proving its most valid use case in supply chain. Diamonds also, Everledger, uh, getting rid of blood diamonds. We just talked to someone today, we talked about getting rid of what we call blood timber. So timber that's not been, uh, you know, illegal harvesting of timber in Brazil and Africa and Indonesia, where it's possible to do the same thing with diamonds, where you can actually create a system where if it doesn't have that stamp or the wood's not marked, genetically, the, the, each tree could be, for example, um, recorded on the blockchain in some way uh, of a sort of genetic or DNA fingerprint of that tree somehow. I mean, there's lots of ways to do it, but... Uh, so, so supply chain is a really interesting part. I think uh, Singapore Airlines tokenized their air miles system, and IATA, which is a major industry center of the travel industry, really, ticketing, they're tokenizing. You know, this is Wall Street meets Main Street, really is what's happening. So we're seeing a big shift but of, once, once you've got Walmarts and people using it, then it's not going to go away, is it? No, and the idea of like tokenized, tokenization, I think where it's also going to get really interesting uh, is with um, loyalty programs and brands. So Coca-Cola token, Heineken token, how can you reward people that, you know, that become prosumers for you, in, in a sense, or become brand ambassadors? You can tokenize these kind of processes. One project we're working on in Germany, or when talks with actually, is a Hanseatic, not a huge city, but a Hanseatic city in Germany, an old city. Uh, and, and they're really worried. What they don't like is hap what is happening. It's like a lot of cities don't like what is happening in Europe, in particular, is that the high streets are going. You have this in the UK. I don't know how many thousands, hundreds of stores close a day. So, but that's, 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 like cultural decimation when you see butcher shops that have been around for like four or five generations. So what they want to do is, is create a loyalty token for people to shop locally and incentivize them to, rather than sitting around and ordering off Amazon, to actually have a real solid uh, motivational factor to go out and, and, and uh, use the tokens to buy locally. And that's really what token economics and tokenomics or token design, token architecture, whatever you want to call it, is all about, um, it's about creating, it's, it's about trying to achieve an, an end result and then gamifying the system to achieve that result. So this is what Satoshi did with Bitcoin as well. He created a way for people to be honest uh, in the mining process 
and, and, and have a surefire way to, which would allow to people to create uh, ledgers that were uh, that can't be challenged. Richard Castellane of Blockchain News, who predicts that tokenization will be the next big blockchain trend after the current use cases in supply chains. Well, the trouble with these trade shows is there are only so many solution providers you can try to understand in one morning, and there were a lot here. So I was pleased to come across a startup called Ginger, without the E, which was something different, as its founder Sergio Rigert explained. My business is revolutionizing the oldest industry in the world, which is the prostitution industry. And how are you going to do that? We're going to do this by a completely new solution uh, with a platform, which a platform acts basically like other current platforms like Uber or Airbnb, where a prostitute can be booked over our service with our own currency, the Gigicoin. Right. And and so how are you going to... um sign people up for that? Well, we have different marketing methods for that. So basically, uh, the the service providers which are already out there, then we can all find in the internet. So they're really easy to get up. We have a free plan. And with the free plan, they want to be advertised. So they're going to be very fast on our system. That's not a problem. We already actually have 6,000 prostitutes on our system. Um, Meanwhile, the booking is not implemented yet. That will come after the ICO. Then the client is a bit harder, the traffic of the client. Uh, This will get done through our marketing methods. Uh, Now we're the first time out and actually are releasing our product the first time to the public. So we will see the response of the media by that, which will have its first impact, which is going to be very exciting. So if I uh, use your service, yes, what do I have to? What what information do I have to fill in in order to, uh, to use it? Basically, we have a full KYC in the ICO, um, which everybody has to do as it's a financial product. So basically, uh, we have uh, saved our data uh, in an encrypted way, where we actually, uh, which is not on the blockchain, so it's kind of separated from the blockchain itself. Uh, and basically, people will be fully KYC'd on our system. Right. I'm not sure that if, if I was a user, I would want you to yes. know me that well. Yes. If you will hear my presentation tomorrow, you will see that we can handle that very well, that your data won't be exploded. And also, there is all data protection laws where, for example, a copy of passport will be deleted again. We just have it in our system, which is separate in a a separate server so basically in the end uh, when you actually do transaction or do anything on the side you're just getting a number why do you need the blockchain for this wouldn't couldn't you just have an ordinary website we have the problem of a general institution like banks which do not like the prostitution industry i mean they're all all the bankers are using it but the banks itself don't want to get involved due to image so basically that's the first reason where cryptocurrency makes sense Also, uh, for tax reasons, we can incorporate in the smart contract tax, uh, which we could go to a government and say, hey, look, we can take uh, the VAT tax, for example, and send it with a direct smart contract uh, to the government. Uh, Also, it's safe that we can split money between, for example, agencies and uh, the service providers itself or establishments, so we can split it fair and we're sure that they will get it to their account, which is also uh, another reason. 
if you're talking about paying VAT and stuff, yes. you're really legitimizing the industry and turning it into a, any other kind of well-regulated business, then, well, I guess. In 19 countries, prostitution is fully regula uh, regulated. So uh, in those countries, they actually already pay tax and do have to do everything to the standards they should, which is not always the case. But in these 19 countries, we can step ahead and do it anyway like that. Then there is another in total 34 countries with these 19, where they're actually, uh, it's, it's not forbidden, it's tolerated, but not legalized. So they cannot pay tax, but for these countries, it'd be ideal to go to the government and say, hey, man, why don't you just regulate it and we can bring you the tax, you know? So generally, uh, all the countries where it's not legal, uh, we will not actually go and do any possibilities to book anybody there with payments. Uh, we are only going to countries where everything is confirmed from our lawyers in terms of regulation, that everything is working out fine. You're based in Switzerland. Yes. This is not actually the kind of enterprise that I would normally associate with Switzerland. Actually, I would uh, completely disagree to this factor. Switzerland is a very uh, liberal and open country. Switzerland has very smart regulations and uh, they're adapting uh, very well, very fast. And it's completely uh, legal there, completely regulated, like pretty much everything. So uh, Switzerland is, uh, as a neutral country, which is open with new ideas, uh, pretty good. I mean, we even made the way to the financial um, institution FINMA. And uh, even from there, uh, they kind of uh, gave us a no-action letter for what we are doing. So this is kind of a big sign. Oh, well, thank you very much. Cool. Nice to meet you. My thanks to Sergio Rigger from Ginger, Richard Castellane from Blockchain News, and Osmin Callis from Enchain. Please go to the CoinGeek website to find out about our conference in Toronto at the end of May, and I hope you join us there. And please join me next week for another CoinGeek conversation.